Welcome to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, one of the fastest growing movie podcasts in the world, where we discuss all things film. On this episode, we discuss Forrest Gump. Released in 1994, directed by Robert Zemeckis, starring Tom Hanks, Robin Wright, and Gary Sinise. What is up, movie friends? Welcome back to the show. I'm Anthony. And this is James, and today we're tackling Forrest Gump, which is the ultimate uplifting feel-good movie. We follow this incredibly lovable character, Forrest Gump, on his journey through life while stopping by some of the most major U.S. history events from the 1950s to 1990s. So it's it's a super fun and interesting film. And Tom Hanks is phenomenal, and I just really love this movie. The, the reason why this movie works so well is because of the character. It's the, it's one of the best character pieces ever made. And his character is so memorable, so iconic. Everything from how he dresses to how he speaks. And he carries this briefcase filled with all of these items and trinkets from his past. And he, it's something that, like, it's a miracle of a character to, to be able to come up with. You know that, what I mean? Yeah, that's the greatest strength about Forrest Gump is there's nothing like it. There's nothing like this movie out there. No other movie has been made like Forrest Gump. And the character is completely unique, too. And I don't think anyone could have pulled it off besides Tom Hanks. I know, like, Sean Penn was kind of up for the role. And then Bill Murray was in talks. But I think that Tom Hanks brings this, like, innocence and charismatic quality to the character that is so different than even from the book. Well, the innocence is actually the defining moment, the piece of the character. Because this is essentially a retelling of The Idiot, Dostoevsky's book. Uh, if anyone hasn't read it, if you like literature, it's a great Russian novel. And if you it, like literature, <laughs> <laughs> if you read, Alfred, if you read books, <laughs> did I just sound smart. I hope I did. <laughs> if you like literature, but um, this is a, it's a famous novel, and it's about um a person who is the idiot, and it's this very innocent, naive man. He just finds himself falling into these social circles and in these predicaments with people who kind of use him or get a kick out of him, and they don't they underestimate him constantly and. It's you. It's a very funny movie, but also a very funny novel has a lot of tragedy as well. And this is basically a modern American retelling of that kind of character. Someone who's so naive, someone who's so innocent and pure that he is, even though he is, uh, he doesn't have very much intelligence, he has all of the best qualities anyone else can have. Yeah, and this film cleaned up at the Oscars. It won six awards, including Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Editing, and Best Visual Effects. And it's actually ranked number 12 on the IMDb wow. user list of top-rated films of all time. And obviously, this doesn't mean it's the 12th best movie ever made. I don't think it's number 12 all time, obviously. I think that I love Forrest Gump, and this movie is phenomenal. It's a great movie, but I think it's a little bit overrated in terms of like where it ranks in the echelon of great films. Like, this and don't take a- overrated harshly. Like, yeah, yeah. In terms of like top 12 movies all I time. I love Forrest Gump, yeah. but it beat out... Two movies that are in the top 10 in that same list. It beat out Pulp Fiction. It beat out um, Quiz Show, which I think is fantastic. It also beat Shawshank Redemption, which is number one on that list. Uh, Forrest Gump's better than Quiz Show, I would say. They're debatable. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I love Quiz Show, though. But either way, it beat Pulp Fiction, and it beat Shawshank Redemption. Before we continue, the best way to support Raiders of the Lost Podcast is go to patreon.com slash Raiders of the Lost Podcast and become a patron today. You'll get personalized messages. You'll get perks like personalized messages, personalized videos, podcast schedules for upcoming episodes. Top tier patrons get a monthly shout out on the podcast. Plus, you'll have access to exclusive video content and patron only giveaways. Head on over to our new website, Raiders of the Lost Podcast.com. Check out all of our sources of content, our merch our custom movie posters, and become a patron there as well. 
Be sure to follow and leave those five-star reviews. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and smash the like button. That, yeah, th this is something like it's Shawshank where uh, I you can objectively say Shawshank is a great movie, but in terms of one of the greatest movies ever made, it's a it's debatable. You know what I mean? But the thing it is beloved by people, and that's it's it's some of the most these these that in Shawshank are two of the most loved movies by people. I think general audiences. Yeah, and there's that joke in the movie. This is the end. The Seth Rogen comedy where. They're talking about, uh, you probably hate universally loved movies. They're like, what do you think of Forrest Gump? He's like, oh, I think it's a horrendous piece of shit. It's like, <laughs> because everyone loves Forrest Gump. Yeah, that's the thing. Exactly. That's, that's the joke. And that's why there's kind of, I think, this like cult community of people that absolutely despise this film. I mean, there are people that absolutely hate it and they think that. Really? How can you hate this movie? I mean, you, I, if you look at it completely from just analyzing it in terms of a story, you could say that there's a lack of a plot. Maybe there's a little too much pop culture for some people and it's. Uh, you could say it's like a superficial look at the real life events that are going on. Like they could take the film and be um, very opinionated politically in terms of like they have they go they they cr they cover the civil rights movement. He's in the White House a few times, and so he's stepping on all these moments in I history. I went to the White House again. Yeah, so he goes to the White House three times. So he he does all these histor. He's a part of these historical events and all the protesting and everything but it really has no substance to the plot or story well that's the whole point of the movie and that's the reason why people love this movie and connect with it so much is because so first of all this is a movie is an epic meaning it takes takes place over a large period of time and generally with long if you like literature like the odyssey <laughs> <laughs> any of homer's poems <laughs> but um an epic generally from the past in history in, in film history they have covered historical figures very important figures in history or modern culture like big people and so and famous people whereas this is an epic that covers just the most ordinary man you can think of and that's the whole point of the movie where this person Forrest Gump who is the most insignificant person you can you can think of he is he can barely pass like third grade reading level and yet he achieves so many great moments and lives such an extraordinary life that's the whole point because he's just like all of us and just because he's just an ordinary guy doesn't mean that his life isn't special. Yeah, and I love the aspect of like rewriting history in a way and having Forrest like kind of naively a part of yeah. so many different he events. He calls in the hotel yeah. about Watergate. So there's a, I made a list of in no particular order of all the historical events that Forrest took place in. So Forrest meets the president three times in this film, three different presidents. He becomes a war hero in Vietnam. He becomes an NCAA National Football All-American. He meets John Lennon while on TV on the talk show. He plays ping pong in China. I love in the movies like, uh, no American have been there in like a million years or something like that. <laughs> uh, he becomes world famous running across the country for three years because he just felt like running. He becomes a successful entrepreneur and owner of a household shrimp brand. Invests in Apple early, which is like, if you think that investing early in Bitcoin was big, like that was huge. <laughs> he inspires Elvis Presley. And he inspires people to create like the famous bumper sticker, the t-shirt, have a nice day slogan. And I'm, I'm sure I'm leaving several out, but like Forrest Gump's impact on history, according to this film, is immense. And I think one of the most underrated aspects of the movie is how Robert Zemeckis interweaves Forrest into all these events. Because if anything can be said about Zemeckis, it's he's brilliant with visual effects, whether it be his early films like Back to the Future to the those CGI rendered movies like the Polar Express. I mean, and Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So he has been he has been a part of developing visual effects and filmmaking for decades. And 
And he's always like Flight looks fantastic. Yeah, the plane crash, it's a great movie. unbelievable. Castaway before visual effects were super powerful. He made an amazing plane crash sequence with Castaway. In in I mean just in Castaway, the the tidal waves and the yeah, storm in general, exactly. It looks amazing. It, what is that? Two thousand still holds up. Yeah, it still looks great. We watched it like a month ago and it looks great. And with this, it's it, this was still very early in the technology of visual effects digitally, but Zemeckis did an amazing job of weaving him into this old footage that is like black and white on shot on film and not only did he put tom hanks into the footage but he used um digital effects to move the mouths of the famous historical figures like whether it's jfk or another president speaking to Forrest, and and it's not perfectly synced up like obviously if you watch if you grew up nowadays and you watch perfect cgi if you watch this you're like hey that looks fake but when you're watching this when it came out it was revolutionary yeah i think this is the one of the rare films that like if you went back and made an update to it, you know, like how authors make updates to books, or like George Lucas went back to make questionable <laughs> updates to the Star Wars prequels one through three. I mean, those are kind are of. Are you saying Zemeckis should put aliens in the in the background? No, I'm not <laughs> saying that he should put it like Jar Jar Binks there. I'm just saying that this movie would probably benefit in the long term of going back and like fixing the like the those little parts because nowadays it it those parts I think don't hold up well to it. Like if there's a con to this movie, I mean, I, it's so campy that it works. And because it's like it's Forrest Gump, so it works. It's like part of the movie and part of the character. But I, I disagree. I think that should never be done. Because, I think because maybe, I'm just saying, if if you're gonna do it to a movie, this would benefit incredibly from it. Yeah, I just think it shouldn't be done because that's part of the experience of watching this movie, knowing that it was made in that era at yeah. that time. I mean, the, you can pick this movie apart if you want, and I understand why people don't like it so much. And if there's besides that, if there's something else I had to say for me that's a con to this film, is the fact that Zemeckis decided to. Just slice and dice the greatest guitar solo of all time with Freebird when Jenny's on the on the ledge about to jump. <laughs> what are you doing? What's a log solo? Hey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You know what? It's, it's like, like three minutes. Pick another song. <laughs> pick another solo. That is, a, <laughs> that's a holy song basically in my eyes. Yeah, but that music works perfectly for that scene. It does. So just use that part of the solo. He tore it up. No, but like he, he uses all the best parts of the solo. Exactly. It's like cheating. The whole scene. It's like cheating. <laughs> no, it's man. not fair. It works. It, it works. It doesn't work for me. I, I, I think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, it's a great moment, and it gets your goosebumps going, but like yeah. every time I'm like, ah, oh, free bird. But you, when you watch that scene, that's an example of how the music can change the tone of a scene. Because like with that kind of moment, you, you would expect like dramatic orchestral music, like slow strings, like um, very tragic and, and sad and soulful. But instead, he, he goes with a, a heavy guitar solo from a hard rock band from the 70s. And I think that makes the, the tone of the, the moment so energetic because if you feel like she's on drugs and you feel like you're experiencing 
what she's feeling. You know what I mean? Yeah, the soundtrack. The panic. The, the soundtrack in this album of this movie is phenomenal. I think there's like six songs from the Doors, and it just really makes it seem so nostalgic when you're watching these moments in history and you're listening to this old music. It really gives you like that nostalgic feel. And and just one more history moment that's my, my favorite. I forgot to bring up. It's when. Uh, Forrest is responsible for the Watergate hotel scandal where Nixon, he meets Nixon. He's like, where are you staying? He's like, I'm staying at this motel. He's like, oh, I got a great place. It's tomorrow. And I'll hook you up. And then he calls the hotel management in the middle of the night because a bunch of guys with flashlights are in their room across. And he thinks so they're having funny. A, he's like, I think they're trying to find a fuse box. That's the thing about this movie is it's really funny. It's the, hysterical. The first, the first act of this movie, when you learn about um, Forrest's uh, childhood and how he grows up into adulthood, it's his like it's hysterical. You're laughing your ass off the whole time, and especially watching like the flashback, like and the narration helps out so much because that adds to the comedic tone of the movie. Forrest narration because he's so personable and so funny himself, and it's just like the the scene when he's in the White House and he he drinks like fifteen Dr. Peppers. <laughs> I must add sixteen it's, Dr. Peppers. It's so funny. <laughs> it's it's and then uh, Jenny's dorm room scene yeah. um, when uh, he he uh, you know co- does that early. And then premature uh, ejaculation. Yeah, yeah, I think we can say <laughs> that. Can we say that? <laughs> yeah, but kids are watching. <laughs> and then it, and the the camera uh, pans down, and her, and her roommates like in in awe, like "Oh my god!" with a horrified like face. The, the conversation I just listened yeah. to is insane. But I think the best, the funniest part of this whole movie is when he signs up for the Marines, uh, not the, for the Marines, army for the army, and then the staff sergeant's yelling at him. He's like, "What are you? What are you doing here, sir?" And he says, "Dude, I'm here to do whatever you tell me to do." And the staff sergeant says. You must be a goddamn genius. That's the best answer I've ever heard. You must have an IQ of 160. You're going to be a general one day, Gump. Well, that's the thing with Forrest Gump is that's his character. He's he's obviously not a smart man, but he's an he's an excellent storyteller. He has like this great memory about the the moments in his life, which is so interesting to watch. That's him. a great point. He is such a good storyteller that every person that sits on the bench next to him once he starts going, they want to keep hearing what he has to say. Because you can tell when they sit next to him and he starts talking, he's like, I don't want to listen to this guy. This guy rambling. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he's not smart, but yeah, great memory. He's very innocent. He's very selfless. But he's this character where he kind of has a superpower, where Forrest has this intense, singular focus and incredible discipline and incredible drive. And that's what, combined with luck, combined with naivety. Chance. And chance, yeah. yeah. That's what creates him into this character who just goes on this extraordinary journey in life has so much so much success and i think the my favorite scene that shows this this singular focus and the way to take it he takes instructions like like no matter what yeah is when he's after he has his war injury and he's in the the veterans hospital in vietnam after he got shot in the butt and the guy's like the guy's like hey Forrest, come here you ever played this game he teaches him how to play ping pong he's like don't take your eye off the ball and he starts waving in front of him and Forrest is like a dog he's like not taking his eye off the ball and that scene i think shows that singular focus and that drive when you tell Forrest to do something he has that intense focus whether it's running whether it's cleaning the floors in the army with a toothbrush he's just so focused and determined in what he's doing playing ping pong whatever whatever lack of high intelligence he has he doesn't question what he's doing he never really like gets bored with it before we continue, I have to tell you about our sponsors at manscaped.com and their new 4.0 lawnmower trimmer. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping today. Over 2 million men worldwide are using Manscaped products because they are the best products that guys can get. Everyone listening, perfect gift for the men in your life is something from Manscaped. I recommend their performance packages. It has a little bit of everything. It has a trimmer, some of the deodorizers, some of the men's wipes. They're all phenomenal products. We have their boxer briefs, their t-shirts, their colognes. It's all the best stuff. I love it. Kyle from Manscaped has sent us everything in their lawnmower 4.0 groomer. 
just came out. It's available now. Use our coupon code Raiders of the Lost at checkout for 20% off and free shipping year round. The thing with the cool thing about the ping pong is that after that moment, for every single shot of him playing ping pong, he never takes his eye off the ball once in in the rest of the movie. And speaking of Forrest and his eyes, one of my favorite <laughs> moments and facts about this film, the characters, every time Forrest gets his ta photo taken in this movie, his eyes are closed. He always closes his eyes and like, no matter what, every time there's a photo of him shown, his eyes are closed. And even the cardboard cutout of him of the ping pongs with him and the Chinese player, his freaking eyes are closed. It's, it's hysterical. It's so funny. But I like how you said that he has a superpower esque in terms of his focus but i also think that he has a physical superpower yeah. his ability to run yeah he like he says he he runs like the wind blows and you wouldn't believe me if i told you <laughs> i run, I like, run the like the wind, wind blows <laughs> i run like the wind blows <laughs> that was pretty good and um but the thing with running is it's so vital to his character and it's i think there's a great amount of symbolism that can be seen through through running for him and he uses his ability to run in very important moments of his life so Every a lot of the major moments of his life are due to running. So he first breaks out of the leg braces from running away from the bullies. He gets his college scholarship because he's so fast at running. He uses his speed to save the soldiers in the war. He runs home to his mom when he finds out that she's sick. He runs home to meet Jenny. And he runs into the water in D.C. when Jenny is in that big crowd. And then he runs to Jenny's house after the woman tells him that the street is only a couple blocks up. So he always runs in major moments of his life. And the last one I forgot is after Jenny leaves him, he runs for three years. Yeah, it, the running's a great point too because it's not like Forrest can take this like intense discipline and focus that he has and do anything. Like it's not like Forrest could be a rocket scientist, even though in the book, I think he's an astronaut. He becomes an astronaut. Yeah, yeah. but like the character in the movie, there's no way that Forrest could handle complex math and and all that. So he, he couldn't take that focus to, to be an astronaut or, or a mathematician. But he combines his natural talent of running, which is another superpower you could say, and he uses that with his focus to better his life and achieve great things. And it's kind of like that that concept of talent versus hard work and discipline. And this goes not just in sports, but really any field, really. And like Forrest combines both talent and hard work. It's it's so similar to like when I think of Tiger Woods, who versus someone like John Daly. You know, Tiger Woods is arguably the greatest <laughs> golfer of all time to ever walk the earth for sure. Especially Tiger Woods in his prime, better than Jack Nicholas. But Tiger's been training to be the greatest golfer to ever walk since he was a child. You know, since that he was, was like three. That's that was his destiny, which is the main theme of this film, which we'll talk about. And that's because Tiger Woods' work ethic is completely unmatched on a daily basis. No one works as hard as Tiger Woods. Also great talent. Whereas a golfer like John Daly, who's an incredibly naturally gifted golfer and athlete, the guy doesn't Train, barely trains, just goes to the range like probably a couple times a day. John Daly smokes two packs of cigarettes a day, has the most unhealthy diet you could ever imagine. Like the guy will destroy like eight burgers at Burger King in his he heyday. He drinks a lot. Drinks, he, I think he, he drinks doesn't drink alcohol anymore, but he drinks like 15 Diet Cokes but, a day. But he used to drink a lot. Yeah, he yeah. used to be a heavy drinker. Now he drinks 15, 16 Diet Cokes a day. That's a lot of Diet Cokes. And obviously Tiger Woods is better in every area of the sport, has way more wins and everything, but Daly's talent is so absurd. So it's like, Talent will only take you so far. You have to have that hard work and discipline to become Tiger Woods or to become Forrest. And uh, the way they achieved a couple of the running shots, and it's a really simple camera effect where so the, the scene when he's a little kid at first and he runs away from the bullies and then um, the camera pans to him and he's run, he's like 100 feet away. And it happens the same, the same thing happens when they're in a truck chasing him. And what happens is it's a really simple trick where Robert Zemeckis shows Forrest running and then... Forrest runs off screen, 
And then he waits a, a couple of seconds, maybe not even two seconds, but he waits a moment, and then he pans. And then Tom Hanks ran off screen behind the camera, and now a stunt person has always been in that field running. And so that's how they're able to achieve that amazing shot of seamlessly showing how fast for he can run without cutting. Yeah, they do it twice in the movie. Yeah. When he's a kid and when he's an adult. It's pretty obvious. I think everyone watching is like, oh, they must have had someone in the field waiting but for But when that. I was a kid... I, and I watched that. I was like, how did he run that fast? And the cool thing is that Alvin, Alan Silvestri, he did the music. And, like, the themes of when he's running, it sounds like a superhero Superman theme. Yeah, it sounds theme. like, it's like Marvel. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It's, it's actually really cool. I think, obviously, the most defining characteristic of Tom Hanks' performance has to be his voice. How Forrest speaks. And it's not just his lack of intelligence, but, but the way he dictates his words. And Tom Hanks was originally going to do something very different. But then... He did a screen test with the actor who played the young Forrest, and that kid, the actor, he actually spoke like this in real life. The way Forrest in the movie speaks as an adult, that's how the little kid in real life spoke. And when Tom Hanks did the screen test with him, he was enamored by that, by his accent and the way he spoke, and he was inspired to use it. And so Tom Hanks studied the little kid and— get, Sounds weird. And took, <laughs> so <laughs> no, Tom's kidding. <laughs> you're making it weird. <laughs> I guess it does sound a little weird. But uh, he studied how the kid spoke and used it and adapted it for his performance. And that's how he came up with this way that Forrest speaks. Yeah, I think that's because the character in the book, Forrest, it's not like this innocent, super happy-go-lucky kind of silly person. He's a little more of a hardened person, a hardened man and like a tougher life and maybe less optimistic in a way. And they And he has like a very deep like southern drawl mm -hmm. and tom didn't really want to do it until like you said he met the actor who played the young forest but the thing with it's not just the accent but he i think he decided i need to give the character the childlike innocence of this little boy yeah. so like so forest never kind of he fully never matures into an adult he keeps this child na naivety and child innocence and i think that's what the the heart of the performance comes from that's why i think tom hanks is the only person that could have pulled it off in this way i think it would have been a completely different movie if any if any other actor took the role of forrest gump and this is peak tom hanks this his name came before the movie it says tom hanks in forrest gump yeah and plus tom hanks i think there was some scenes where he actually paid for the production costs and he ended up making a ton of money on back end of this he film. didn't get paid salary yeah so he, he got, got he, he got back in and made 40 million yeah 40 million so he actually paid for production elements and for scenes to be shot and so that was a really good move on him investing in himself and just making bank and this is part of his run as just a dominant actor i made a list it's a t it's an amazing 10 years for tom hanks from 1993 to 2002 so this is an absurd list of movies so ready uh philadelphia forrest gump apollo 13 toy story saving private ryan you've got mail toy story 2 the green mile castaway Road to Perdition, and Catch Me If You Can. It's a pretty good list. It's pretty a good. Nuts. He did good. that in 10 years. And actually, the funny thing about Apollo 13 being on there is the scene where he's with Lieutenant Dan. He's talking about, like, the day that you're a, a shrimp and boat <laughs> captain, I'll be your first mate. He's like, and that's the day I'll be an astronaut. And the next movie that Tom Hanks was in was Apollo 13. Yeah. They actually, Gary, Gary Sinise is in Apollo 13, too. And just, like, a crazy fact about Forrest Gump in terms of astronauts. So, in Forrest Gump, the novel... That the movie's based on force actually goes into space with nasa and upon return he crash lands on an island full of cannibals he only survives because he beats the head cannibal at chess every day so that is pretty nuts i gotta read that's, the book that's, that's pretty, pretty absurd crazy. there's actually another a sequel book and in the sequel in the book it's called um, forest and company i think that yeah um the the movie exists in the world of the book in the universe 
and Tom Hanks exists in that universe and Forrest Gump doesn't like the movie <laughs> and he hates the press and media attention that it has got has given him in his life. And he also even meets Tom Hanks in the book as well. I'd love to talk about obviously the main theme of this film, which I think is destiny. You know, it's brought up a lot in the film by multiple characters, uh, Jenny, Lieutenant Dan, Forrest's mom, Forrest. But before we get into the destiny in that theme of the film, let's take our intermission break, which is brought to you by our friends at manscaped.com. Use our coupon code Raiders of Lost at checkout for 20% off. And so during our intermission, if you're new around here at Raiders of Lost podcast, we just play some fun movie games, some trivia, some some guess these movies, some movie quote stuff. So let's begin our intermission. And after we ask each question, before the other person answers, we'll give you we'll give a few seconds so that you listening and watching can try to guess yourselves. We'll see if we're all right. All right. First is going to be a movie quote competition. Let's go. So I'll go first, and Anthony will guess, and you all will guess too. Ready. Got me dragging your heavy ass through the burning desert with your dreadlocks sticking out the back. I could have been at a barbecue. Independence Day. Yes. Will Smith. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's a great Every one of his lines is like a great one-liner. Yeah. I had two backups I had. Now, that's what I call a close encounter where he's got the cigar, and then, oh, no, you did not shoot that green shit at me. (laughs) When he punches the alien yeah. right in the face, like, what? Clarence, how's this for Clarence? <laughs> he did that, and then he did um, Men in Black right afterwards. Man, it's crazy. He had a great back decade, to back. too. All right, here's my quote. You want to waste my time? Okay. I call my lawyer. He's the best lawyer in Miami. He's such a good lawyer that by tomorrow morning, you're going to be working in Alaska. So dress warm. Say it again. Want me to say it with an accent? Yeah, say it with an accent. You want to waste my time? Okay. I call my lawyer. He's the best lawyer in Miami. He's such a good lawyer face. that by tomorrow morning, you're going to be working in Alaska. So dress warm. It's not bad. It's pretty good, Tony Montana. Thanks. <laughs> not bad, Scarface. <laughs> I haven't seen that in like a decade. Yeah, it's been a while. Holy crap. We should do an episode on it. People keep asking about it's it. It's a legendary film. Every yeah. rapper and college kid had it in their dorm as a poster. So I had it on my MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Guess this movie release year. Okay. Remember, give everyone a few seconds to guess. Crimson Tide. Shit, I should know this. Directed by Tony Scott, starring the great Denzel and Gene Hackman. One of the most underrated movies, I think, of all time. 1995. Yeah. Yes. Way to go. Yes. I love that movie. It's phenomenal. The score, too, by Hans Zimmer is fantastic. Did we talk about it on this podcast? We We talked about it on the Denzel Denzel episode. episode. Yeah. If y'all if y'all haven't seen that movie, it's one of my favorite movies. It's, it's really so great. good. It's, really it's so great. underrated. Yeah, that's one of my. It's Tony Scott's best movies. It's one of Denzel's best movies. It's insane. Him and Jane Hackman together is just it's an amazing combination. All right, <clears throat> Donnie Brasco, guess the year. I did two Al Pacino movies. Ninety six. Close ninety seven. Ah, very close. Very close. Almost there. It's like when he's starting to look old. Johnny's still young. <laughs> now, like Pacino, half the time like looks like a stuffed doll with like jet black dyed hair, like like someone like threaded dyed beard. Yeah, I like, love the guy, but like I don't know how he's still alive. I, I I can't believe how good he was in The Irishman. For real, he was great. Like I know, I love De Niro in that movie too, but De Niro looks like an old man acting, yeah. even though they they de-aged him. But Pacino looked so youthful in that yeah. movie. And he was he's so good in that. His his, per, his physicality, not like his. Yeah. Like when De Niro kicks that guy on the sidewalk, it's like clearly a 75-year-old man yeah. kicking him. <laughs> All right, pop quiz. 
What was the first sports film to win Best Picture at the Academy Awards? Rocky. You didn't give everyone a chance Sorry. to answer. <laughs> I got so excited. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I knew you'd get that right Sorry, away. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> okay. I did a Tom Hanks one. Who's Tom Hanks? <laughs> Who directed Tom Hanks in Road to Perdition? You you really like him. Could be a lot of people. <laughs> like a lot of dudes. A lot of ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I like the same with a lot of ladies. <laughs> Otherwise, that would have sounded different. <laughs> Road to Perdition. Oh, man. Tell me. Sam Mendes. Ah. He's a great director. All right. Biggest hate of the week. Who we got? So this is from a clip I posted. I posted this clip about Lawrence of Arabia, which is one of my favorite movies. If you're watching, you can see this poster. And it, So yeah, to prove that you like the movie, yeah, you have a poster. I'm, yeah. I'm a fan. <laughs> he likes literature. If you like Lawrence literature, Arabia. <laughs> but in the movie, there's this uh, probably the most famous cut in film history between that or Stanley Cooper's cut in... 2001 but there's a cut from Lawrence the light out, putting out a match to the desert and a sunrise happens and uh, I posted it on TikTok because I was like oh this is my favorite edit of all time and I just like want to share it and maybe people will like it but it got so much hate I couldn't believe it like so many people were on the comments like saying like what's the point of this like this is the best cut you have and so it's just like a group haters it's a lot of trolls someone said where's the greatest film edit <laughs> <laughs> I've seen TikTokers do better cuts. What's so impressive about this? And the thing is, like, I, I understand the audience is a little younger, and so they haven't seen Lawrence of Arabia, but the, that movie, and especially that moment, it created what's called the match cut, where you cut two, where you cut together and juxtapose two, two images that seem related, but they're unrelated. And they call it a match cut because of the match in the shot. And so... That movie, in that moment, was the defining part of history. In the 2001 Space Odyssey version that you're thinking of, that cut is when the bone's flying in the air, and then Kubrick cuts to the the giant uh, missile or the, yeah. the nuclear weapon yeah. in this, in space. So yeah. that obviously wouldn't have been done if this Lawrence Arabia cut never was ever made. Yeah, that's, and that's a juxtaposition cut that works really well, so... I, I, it was just like, you know, everyone. It was the most hate I've ever seen in a comments. But like in Marvel Avengers, uh, Tony Stark hits the nano button and that's a really cool edit. <laughs> what about the cut when like Thanos walks through the portal? <laughs> oh man, anyways, get some get a, get a little history lesson in film peeps. Let's go. All right, let's do some film history of June 7th. Mary Pickford makes her screen debut at the age of 16 in 1909 and Mary Pickford was probably one of the most famous silent film actresses to ever live. It is also Liam Neeson's birthday. I have a certain particular set of skills for blowing up birthday candles. <laughs> Let's take a moment to do our monthly top tier patron shout out list. As of June 6th, 2021, these are our current $10 top tier patrons. Justin, Caleb Fleming, Michael Karanja, Riley McDonald, Nate Moore, Harry Roscoe, Harrison Ball, Caitlin Signorelli, Travis Ball, Nicola Simeona, Jacob Kostler, Dennis, Jorge Chavez, Caleb McFalls, Ken Bolin, Dennis, Aaron McCardle, Sal Guanera, Max Rosk, Tyler McDowell, Lauren, Grayson Younts, Cole Carroll, Christopher Tunnel, Tanner Teagarden, Madison Yamarillo, Barrett Compton, Andy Walker, TJ Rowlands, Andrew Lukler, 
Nick Sheridan, a.k.a. Sherry, Hunter Smith, Carter Brandon, Nicholas Ozaniak, Nick Carlson, Diamond Hayashi, Caitlin Callahan, a.k.a. Sharktooth, Sarai Rogers, Charles McLaughlin, Brandon Smith, Ethan Storm, Devin Udarium, Lucas Key, Derek Noonan, William Calimano, Mariam Ally, Hayden Polkinghorn, Christopher Zabo, Byron McClellan, and Brooke Shanks. Thank you to everyone who is a top-tier patron, all of our other patrons. Thank you so much for your support as well. If you want to become a patron today, go to patreon.com slash Raiders of Lost Podcast. Before we continue, I got to tell you all about MoviePosters.com, the number one place to get your posters online today. MoviePosters.com has teamed up with us to offer a very special promo code. Use Raiders15 at their checkout to get 15% off your order today. If you're looking at our set online on YouTube, you'll see that it is decked out with these amazing posters. They have every kind of size, framing, backlighting, pretty much every movie imaginable at MoviePosters.com. If you're a fan of movies, if you're a fan of television shows, there's no better way to express that love than with a movie poster. Again, use our coupon code Raiders15. Again, Raiders15 at MoviePosters.com to get 15% off your order today. Let's dive back into Forrest Gump, and we left off at the main theme of the film with Destiny. And Destiny is talked about multiple times by different characters in this film, by Forrest, by his mother, by Lieutenant Dan, by Jenny. I think it's represented with the flower, I mean the feather at the beginning of the film too, which is floating around and lands at Forrest's feet. And one of my favorite quotes from the movie is when Forrest is at the grave of Jenny at the end of the film, and he's talking about Destiny. He's like, I don't know if we have a Destiny or if we're all floating around accidental-like on a breeze. And I think the thing with Forrest is he's a character who doesn't really concern himself with what he's supposed to do in life. He's not determined to find his destiny. He kind of just like accepts thing as, things as they come. He, the, he doesn't think about his future. Like he graduates college and then the, the army recruit comes up. He's like, hey, thought about your future, sir. And then the next shot, he's getting on the army bus. Whereas someone like Jenny, all she's focused on is being somebody. She wants to be a famous singer. She wants to be a model or an actress. Um, Lieutenant Dan, he has a destiny where he's supposed to die on the battlefield. And unfortunately, both of them never have their destinies fulfilled in what they want. Whereas Forrest, because he has no predetermined destiny for himself, that's what allows him to open all the avenues of a of an amazing destiny of himself. Forrest is the feather. Forrest is traveling through life without a plan. Um, just taking it day by day and seeing where the wind blows him. And so the feather represents Forrest's life in many ways. Whereas he never really makes decisions based on self-interest, based on greed, based on doing greatness, on achieving greatness. Forrest just makes decisions just because. And like how he stops running, he just feels like not running anymore. And that's why he's so much like the feather, whereas I think there's a heavy contrast between him and Jenny. And Jenny has a, a difficult plot in this film because she makes bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And she definitely loves Forrest and he absolutely loves her, but she doesn't want to admit that she loves him. And I think that's why it takes her until she's at the end of her life to come to that conclusion that she does love Forrest and they belong together because he's never lost doubt that they belong together but I think that Jenny has been spending her life trying to run away from her past whereas Forrest has always embraced his past 
and where he came from. But Jenny grew up with a much harder life in, yeah, when, the, in when, her childhood. When you look at Jenny's actions throughout this film, like on the surface level, you can think like, why? Why is she so horrible to Forrest? She's always abandoning him. She seems selfish and destructive. But Jenny's behavior as an adult is a direct reaction and response to the trauma that she faced as a child and the abuse. And I, they assume that it's, they, they insinuate that it's sexual abuse that she gets from the, her father as well as her father being an alcoholic and a physical abuser. Um, so I think that's clearly insinuated that that happens to her as a child at a young age. And there's that moving scene where she's in the field with Forrest hiding from her father who's looking for them. And she's she's telling Forrest and begging her, begging him to pray with her, to pray to God, to turn her into her bird and fly, fly far away. And I think that also kind of ties into the, the feather that maybe that represents Jenny in a way floating around. Um, Jenny. So like, actually, so like the bird. She, she wants to become a bird to escape. Jenny is always trying to escape reality. Yeah, so Jenny, she was kicked out of college because she was in that Playboy magazine with her sweater on. Um, and she's always leaving Forrest. But Forrest doesn't understand that Jenny's kind of doing it in a way, to I think, to protect Forrest, to not take advantage of Forrest. And I think that truly Jenny does love Forrest deep down. And she I think she does know that she loves him. And I think because she loves Forrest... That's why she stays away, and that's why when he asks her to marry him, she says, you don't want to marry me because Jenny knows that she's kind of like pieces of a person because of what happened to her in her past, that she's trying to put it all together. And it's not until she has her child that Jenny's life finally has stability. It has meaning, but I, I kind of disagree. I think that Jenny, in a way, kind of looks down on Forrest and the first half of the film, and that's why she never accepts his his advances and his desires to be with her because of his intelligence because of his intelligence and she 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 views that as he's lesser than kind of and that's why she's always running away from him i think it's the exact opposite i think it's because jenny sees forrest is such a good person he's complete you know forrest is probably the best person that she knows and maybe she doesn't think that forrest deserves her or that she deserves forrest i mean so i think that maybe jenny's running from the fact that She's not good enough for Forrest in her eyes, and that's why she's constantly leaving him. I mean, you can say leave him hanging, just leaving him outside in the rain or leaving him at the at, uh, at his house when she comes by, when she had nothing better, when she was coming to kind of be rescued for a little while. I think that Jenny, Jenna, Jenna. I cannot say it like Forrest. I think Jenny constantly runs from Forrest to protect him. Yeah, yeah you can look at it both ways, either way, but... Yeah, we disagree. I think okay. she's afraid of love. She's afraid of love because of her father. You know, all she's known is an abusive man. I mean, you think, look at her relationships too. Even the guy, the protest guy, he's an abusive person too. He, he hits her. And even the musician, he's sleeping in the bed, but she has bruises on her eyes. Yeah. So she's always fine. She's she's on this path of self destruction throughout the throughout the entire film, and she, it's kind of this thing where she thinks that if, since she grew up with that trauma of an abusive father, she thinks that that's all she deserves to be abused by men and that's why she keeps finding herself in these situations over and over again with the same kind of abusive aggressive violent men over and over again and then it's not until she's diagnosed with some sort of virus that doctors don't know what it's insinuated i think that it's either hiv or hepatitis c it's those, hepatitis so yeah. those are both i don't think it's, it's not confirmed I, the filmmakers implied it they implied afterwards, hiv too afterwards yeah so i mean yeah. it's either way both of those are we're both unknown they're both deadly at the time, and they, no one knew what it was. And it's not until then that she's diagnosed with this illness that she has Forrest come. And that's basically the Forrest's plot of why he's on that bench. He's going to see Jenny. She asked him to come. He obviously brought chocolates. And it's not until she's diagnosed with that disease that she shows Forrest that he's a father. 
and that he has Forrest Jr. And you could say that she was hiding him from Forrest, obviously, for six years. Do you think that she just didn't tell him because he was running? And there's really, like, no way to contact him while he's running across the that's, country. That's possible. I think uh, that's why, because he ran for three and a half years, and she did keep in touch with what he was doing and constantly tracked him. And so maybe she just waited until he got back and finished running to finally tell him about his son. Yeah, it's possible, but there's... A lot of people are so who are critical about this movie, I think, and especially about the character of Jenny. I think it's it's really ridiculous to think or like the opinion that she just came back to him because he's wealthy and she wants to, him to take care of the son. If it's even, like people out there don't think that Forrest Jr. is Forrest's son and they think that Jenny. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. But it's ridiculous. Theory. And I think that Robert Zemeckis perfectly shows you with with two shots in this movie that Forrest Jr. is really Forrest's son. It's when Forrest finally meets Forrest Jr. He's like in awe and can't speak. And he sits down next to him to watch the cartoons. They both sit the exact same way, and they both tilt their head to the left at the same exact yeah, time, yeah, the exact yeah, same moment. Yeah. And they do the same thing with their fishing. So I think Robert Zemeckis shows you with those two shots, this is definitely Forrest's kid. Yeah, I, I think that those that's just a dumb conspiracy theory that, I mean, it's a little nihilistic. And I mean, if that was true, then what was the point of the whole movie? I mean, there's no cathartic ending at all. The thing with Jenny is why I think that she didn't tell him because he was gone running. I think that's it's the... It's the 80s. How do you contact someone when they're literally running across the country? That's actually a really good point. So I think that's why he never found out about it. And then when he returned from his from his marathon, then she tells him. So I think that's why there is that wait for him. Speaking of running, why does Forrest go on that three and a half year run? And so this happens right after Jenny came to live with him for, it's, I think it's what, a couple months? She Seems came, like a month or yeah, so. Yeah, seems like she's there for a little while and they have this beautiful time together. So Jenny's kind of like... She's spent a decade or two just living in California, living in different places, having different types of life. Whereas, like, Forrest has had this direct path. She's been so inconsistent in life and has had really no path. And even though Forrest became so successful, he still returned home. Yeah. Because he loves home. And it, it's a great moment when Jenny comes home and he's cutting the lawn. And I love how he just cuts <laughs> the lawn at the school just because he likes to do it, even though he's wealthy as hell. I and, caught it for free. And it's a, it's a great time for Forrest. And that's, you know, the the night before she leaves, that's the night where he asks her to marry him. And she says, no, you don't want to marry me. And that's also the night that Jenny sneaks into his bed and they have sex for the first time. And I'm assuming it's the only time, too. And then she leaves the next morning without him waking up. And that's what causes Forrest to start running. And he says, like mom used to say, you just got to keep moving and put the past behind you. And I think that his way to get over Jenny leaving is just running for as long as it takes for him to forget about it. Or not forget about it, it's just to move past it. Yeah, well, like I said earlier about the symbolism of running, I think that for Forrest, running sets him free. Because many of his accomplishments, many of his achievements, and even um, during moments, important, impactful moments of his life, he runs. And running, his ability to run literally catapults him on his journey. And so when he runs, I think that he's setting himself free from any kind of constraints or boundaries that are in his way. And so this is a major boundary. And the way he escapes it is to run. And it, it sets him free, the ability to just run endlessly. Yeah, every time he runs, something incredible happens to him by chance. You know, running onto the football field at Alabama and getting a scholarship and, yeah. and becoming an All-American. He runs in Vietnam to save people and becomes a war hero. And running cross-country makes him world famous pretty much And in that's that's something that's so important to the character of Forrest. And speaking of characters, I want to talk about Bubba, Bubba Gump for a little Bubba, Bubba Gump Bubba. Shrimp Boat Company. Uh, Bubba, one of my favorite scenes in this entire movie. It's hysterical. <laughs> the first time that Bubba and Forrest meet on the army bus, it's the it's identical to the scene where Forrest is getting on the bus as a little kid, and everyone's like, "Seats taken, seats taken, taken." And then Jenny lets him sit next to her, but then. 
he gets to Bubba, and these two people who are just like the exact same person happen to meet each other on this on this army bus and they become best good friends forever and just watch them sit and interact on the seat together it's just the funniest thing i've ever seen it's like watching two grown man childs talking to each other for real it's... just a couple of boneheads who found each other my name's forrest gump people call me forrest gump it's so funny but their back and forth is incredible and it's, it's a great relationship and it's such a good friendship and it's one of my favorite parts of the movie it's gotta Bubba. be the the only person who never who who has never talked down to Forrest or patronized him in some way. Well, if you think about it, Forrest has only had really two friends his entire life that have accepted him for who he is, and it's Jenny and it's and it's Bubba, and he met both of them on a bus. Oh wow, that's a great little. Oh, wow, you're right. He did meet them both. He's <laughs> gonna bus. act like it's an amazing accomplishment. I came up with the talking. No, point. I'm just saying. It was, I never thought <laughs> no, of that. Kidding. It's a great. Connect, but they're the only two connection. people that have ever accepted Forrest. Yeah, and, and I, I love Bubba. It, they. They go together like peas and carrots. <laughs> I love when Lieutenant Dan's messing with them because he knows they're both yeah. dummies. He's like, "You two twins," and the force like, "We're of no relation, sir." <laughs> and then he's like, "He's like, what's up with your gums?" He's like, "I got big gums. He's like, you better tuck those in to get taken out by a sniper." <laughs> but with Bubba, uh, it, Bubba is the first instance of Forrest experiencing tragedy in his life because his best friend dies in his arms, and and it's a it's a really bad it's a really sad moment when Bubba dies because. You expect after the sequence in the war that maybe they'll be together for a while, the two of them, especially since they said they're going to start the company together. And so it's really tragic when he does die. Yeah, and you can imagine like a story where Bubba survives and they like have the shrimp and company and they live very similar lives. And the thing with Forrest, and I think this also shows his intense discipline to whatever he sets his mind to, is he promised Bubba that he'd start Bubba Gump Shrimp, the shrimp boating. And even though Bubba passed away in the war, he still starts the boat company without really knowing much about shrimp besides what Bubba told him. And he gives her his uh, family half the profits. Yeah, so yeah. Because he, he's, he's Forrest Gump. He's an honest man. So I think Bubba is such a powerful part of Forrest's life and who he becomes. And so is in Lieutenant Dan. And Lieutenant Dan is also obsessed with destiny like Jenny is. And even Forrest's mother says, like, I was destined to be your mama. But Lieutenant Dan's obsessed with destiny, and he fails to live up to his family tradition of dying in an American war like all of his the forefathers before him and that's his family. A, that's a really funny sequence when they she shows a, each one of his grandfathers dying on the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> it's all Gary Sinise in different outfits. Yeah, it's pretty great. It's awesome. And so the character, he's, he's really interesting and funny. It's like the classic, like or like kind of a cliche Vietnam lieutenant that you see in like Apocalypse it, Now. It's like the Born on the Fourth of July Tom Cruise role, basically. Well, when that's when he loses his legs. Yeah. And because Forrest saved his life, Lieutenant Dan never forgives him until later on for saving his life and leaving him disabled for the rest of his life. I think the most emotional scene in the whole movie is when Lieutenant Dan shows up at the wedding and he has those new, what is it, um, carbon fiber legs? No, it's titanium alloy. Titan yeah. You got new legs! New legs! <laughs> <laughs> Lieutenant Dan! It's it's a beautiful scene because Lieutenant Dan was in such a, uh, a moment of despair in his life and... He was lost, and it was his friendship with Forrest, I think, that really uh, helped save his life and showed him to embrace what he has because it's already a lot, and surviving the war was a good thing. Yeah, and Lieutenant Dan, he has this back and forth, you could say, with God or his maker, and he brings up on the the New Year's Eve at the bar, he's like talking about, or he's, he's talking about that night about, have you found Jesus yet? And Forrest's like, I didn't know we're supposed to be looking for him. <laughs> and then Lieutenant Dan has that scene where he's on top of the boat during the hurricane on the shrimp boat. And he's like, he's like, me and you going one-on-one. Is this all you can muster? So he's obsessed with this idea 
of of going against God because he feels like God wronged him in life and it seems like he's suicidal at times and almost like when he jumps off the boat to do the backstroke swimming you're like is he is he like going it seems to kill like he's yeah I think that scene they they could have played it out longer but I imagine that Lieutenant Dan jumps off the boat to go swimming because he's testing his will to live you could say in a way if he survives this swim that means that he wants to to live I think that I actually think that shot is him he's at peace now because before he jumps off the boat he's what is he think he thanks for us right he, doesn't he, for, thank he forgives him, him. He, he says, says no, he's sorry he says i never thank you for saving him yeah. and forrest says he never did but he says he thinks he did it in his own way yeah exactly and so i think that and he's swimming to a beautiful sunset so i think that lieutenant dan is finding peace because we he leaves the story and the next time we see him he has legs and he's clean cut and he seems to be in a great point in his life so i think that's the first moment where He's finding peace in his life. Just to stay on this topic of theology or God or whatever you believe in, Forrest, what I love about his character is because he's not focused on his future and, or, and he's not focused by like the distraction of distractions of life. He's kind of just like, like I said, singular focused. He's he sees and witnesses the miracles of life on a daily basis that most people ignore. I mean, he's I love the scene where he's talking to Jenny when she's in in bed. And um, he's telling her about all the stories of while he's running, he's, he's in the sunset on the desert or the sunset on the boat, uh, the the lake that was so reflective, it looked like there were two skies on top of each other, Jenny. And so he's not bothered by the troubles that all of us are plagued with on a daily basis. That's why I love his character so much. That's actually that same sequence is in Benjamin Button, same screenwriter, Eric Roth. He wrote both of the films and they, for Benjamin Button, they were like, can you make it like Forrest Gump? And then at the end near the end of benjamin button he talks about all the beautiful things he saw and there's a, a montage of that so it's a really powerful way of of, of showing a sequence like that i yeah. love it i love Forrest. he just never takes his life for granted he never takes being alive and healthy for granted and he never wishes he was something he's not but overall i love forrest gump like we said when we said it's overrated don't take that the wrong way we still adore this movie you just don't think it's 12 all time but um I love this movie. It makes me laugh and cry and feel feel all. I love movies that make me feel many different things, and I feel all the feels when I watch this movie. This is a great, great American movie. All right, let's do our superlatives for Forrest Gump. Who's the MVP? Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks for sure. Yeah, acting wise and producing and everything. Yeah. Best scene. Forrest finding out he's a father. Super emotional. Just the look of shock and awe on his face, and how I love how Forrest doesn't run from this because, like we've been talking about, Forrest accepts everything that happens in his life. Mm. I love the montage when he finds out, when he says that he can run like the wind blows. I really love that. Yeah, that makes me feel the feels. Yeah. Great music. Best actor, Tom Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks. Best shot? I I really love the shot. It's it's just a simple shot. It seems insignificant, but it's when he's a kid and he still has the leg braces on and then Elvis comes over to stay at the house. And Zemeckis does this great shot from floor level and Little Forrest is doing his dance with the braces on and then Elvis's legs are on the foreground. And I, it's just, I, I don't know what it is. I just really adore that shot. It's a brilliant, brilliant way to film it. Yeah, he's like pulling out with yeah. a crane, it looks like. Yeah. It's a really good shot. Uh, my favorite shot, it's really just the montage of him when I was talking about Jenny, when he's telling him about his travels, the sunsets, the desert, and everything like that. I think that's just beautiful cinematography. Nice. <laughs> Best line? <laughs> there are so many in this movie. I have three that I picked. Um the, the Destiny one. I don't know if we have a Destiny or if we're all just floating around all accidental like on a breeze. But maybe I think it's both. Maybe both is happening at the same time. 
Um, I think that just ties into the concept of destiny and also Forrest just accepting everything that comes into his path. Um, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. And from that day on, we was always together. Jenny and me was like peas and carrots. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I just love when he meets Bubba and he says, my name's Forrest Gump. People call me Forrest Gump. It's just, <laughs> well, because Bubba tells his yeah. real name. He's like, well, people call me Bubba. He's like, my name's Forrest Gump. People call me Forrest Gump. And I, I really love the staff sergeant line. Like, that is goddamn outstanding. <laughs> You've got to be a genius, Gump. <laughs> Why'd you put that gun together so fast, Gump? <laughs> I, I You're going to be a general it. someday, Gump. I love it. <laughs> you must have an IQ of 160. <laughs> Want to do some uh, fun movie facts about Forrest Gump? Yeah, I got a good one right here. You ready? Ready. In Forrest Gump, there are four lead actors who play multiple roles. Gary Sinise plays Lieutenant Dan as well as all of his ancestors who die in American wars. McKelty Williamson plays both Benjamin Buford Bubba Blue as well as the waiter opening Dr. Pepper bottles when Forrest meets JFK at the White House as an All-American. Sally Field plays Forrest's mom, as well as a male reporter during Forrest's run across America. <laughs> and Tom Hanks plays both Forrest and a Confederate and a Confederate ancestor. Oh wow. Tom Hanks was not paid a salary for Forrest Gump. Instead, he took a back end percentage, which ultimately netted him forty million dollars because Forrest Gump earned seven hundred million dollars at the box office. The line, My name is Forrest Gump, people call me Forrest Gump, that was ad libbed by Tom Hanks when they made the scene. Kurt Russell actually did the voice for Elvis Presley in this movie, too. For the ping pong scenes in China, there is no ping pong. It's all digital, the ball completely. But Tom Hanks did do the real ping pong playing like in the army station. But everything in China is CGI and it, it looks fantastic when they're playing that match. The running scene was inspired by an actual event in 1982. Louis Michael Figueroa, aged 16 years old, ran from New Jersey to San Francisco for the American Cancer Society. The park bench that Tom Hanks sat on for much of this movie is now located inside located inside a Savannah, Georgia museum. When Forrest Gump calls the report of the Watergate burglary, the security guard who answers the phone says, Security, Frank Willis. This is the actual name of the actual security guard on duty that night. Bill Murray, John Travolta, and Chevy Chase turned down the role of Forrest Gump. Ice Cube and Dave Chappelle turned down the role of Bubba. So didn't Tupac shook her. Yeah. Well, no, he auditioned. He didn't oh, get, he didn't get through the audition process. And then Ice Cube said he ref- he would refuse to play an idiot. And Chappelle thought the movie would bomb. The first person that sits next to Forrest on the bench is that woman. And the nurse, the nurse. Out- the nurse outfit. That actually is implied to be uh, Rosa Parks. Because while she's sitting there, she tells Forrest that her feet hurt. And that's actually something that Rosa Parks said that day on the bus. When Forrest Gump gets up to talk at the Vietnam rally in Washington, the microphone is unplugged, but and you can't hear what he's saying. But according to Tom Hanks, he says, sometimes when people go to Vietnam, they go home to their mamas without any legs. Sometimes they don't go home at all. And that's a bad thing. That's all I have to say about that. And that wraps our episode on Forrest Gump. Thank you so much for tuning in. Wherever you are watching and listening, be sure to go to patreon.com slash Raiders of Lost Podcast. Become a patron today, and that is the best way to support us. Jenny. Jenny. Why don't you love me? I'm not a smart man, but I, I know, know what love is. is. Raiders of the Lost Podcast is a mirror image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.